I want to this morning uh, turn away just for this week from Revelation. After last week's message, I was touching a little bit on Psalm 1. And I was talking about repentance. You remember that? It's a change of mind. The sins I used to do, I changed my mind. And it means it is a turnaround from the things I do. So if I walk in a direction, I repent and I turn and I walk away from that. And what was the other word? Confession. So that's the two words which I touched on last week. And during this week, that message still stayed with me. And I I pray and I hope to God that that message stayed with you. And convicted you still during the week. Because that's what the Word of God needs to do. It needs to convict you. If you come in here and the Word of God doesn't touch your heart, then there's something serious wrong, not with the preacher not with the singing, not with the word, not with technology. There's something wrong with your heart. And then we need to come to the, 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 the big physician, the, the big doctor, Dr. Jesus, and he needs to do heart surgery on you, yes? And that is why we preach the word of God. So during this week again, I was thinking about that message and I thought about Psalm 1. And I went to the Bible and I told you a few things. But I thought, look, I want to go back to Psalm 1. In fact, I want to go to two Psalms today. Psalm 1 and Psalm 19. And I want to talk to you today about the blessed life. The blessed life. Psalm 1 starts with those words. Blessed is the man. Now when he talks about man, he doesn't cut out women. You know that that is part of mankind. It's all of us. And the word there for blessed is happy. Happy is the man. And I'll tell you one thing. People today are looking for happiness. I just want to have a happy life. I just want to have a life where there's no worries. Am I talking to you this morning? I just want to have a life where there's no worries. Trouble. Am I talking to you? I just want to have a life where there's no anxiety. Is that you? Am I talking to the right people this morning? Because I'm surely talking to myself. Just a life where I don't have to worry about tomorrow. I don't have to worry about relationships how is he or she going to react when i do this or that am i talking to the right crowd to the children of god people are looking for happiness all over the place unfortunately for some people happiness is to be financially secure if only if only i can make a million dollars and you know what dear friends they realize soon enough that there is no happiness in that Because if you hit a million, you want to make two million and three and four. And once you hit five million dollars, you are worried and anxiousness grab you about where your money is going to go. And you sit day and night and you look what's happening in the world because you just want to hold on to your money. And you know what? That is not happiness. Some people are looking for happiness in having friends. Friends. If only I can have a lot of friends around me. And and truly it brings happiness to you. But at some stages, some stages, we all go through that. Even those friendships come under severe pressure and turmoil. Because we are not robots. We are not all the same. Have you noticed? The world would have been boring. Boring if every single person in the world was John Shipman. (laughs) or Eugene Berger have you imagined if we walk in here and you go uh, please to meet you I'm Eugene Berger oh yes that's interesting and strange because I'm also Eugene Berger Uh, just meet this person over here this is Eugene Berger Eugene Berger meet Eugene Berger from Eugene Berger or Janelle 
Janelle, hi, this is Janelle and this is Janelle. And we are all exactly the same. We are not robots. My brother said it. We were made in the image and the likeness of God. And I thank God that He made us different. Different. This is how He made us. So happiness is not just in those friendships, although it brings happiness. And there's all of these other things. Just the work. If only I can have a, a stable job. And I know it brings security and it brings happiness for a short time. Because, friend, once you hit your age level and the company gets rid of you, they don't think of you anymore. So what is a blessed life? And I want to go back to Psalm 1 to talk about this blessed life. I'm going to try my technology one more time. Amen. Thank you, brother. That is faith. So let's talk about this blessed life. In Psalm 1, verse 1, the psalmist by the name of David writes these words down. He says, blessed is the man, and then he says, who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Another translation has that word wicked there. Nor stand in the path of the sinners nor sit in the seed of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does, whatever he does, listen, Whatever he does shall prosper. So David says something about a blessed man and a blessed life here. He starts it off in a negative way. He says, who walks not. Have you seen that? He says, who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. And as I said last week, but I want to show this to you physically the first thing that you think about this is that walking has got to do with the thinking. As thinking can change quickly, your direction of walking can change quickly. And this is so connected with what you think. What is in your thought process and what it is all about. You see, Psalm 1, and when David talks about these things, he talks about lifestyles. And he's actually telling us in this first verse here that we are affected by the groups of people that we hang out with. People around you are affecting you. We always say it to our young children, don't we? Choose your friends wisely. Because you are unknown by whom? Your friends. Who you hang out with is you, you are known by. But look, don't listen to me or to my grandparents who told that always to me. It's a biblical principle. It is written there in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 33. It says it straightforward. He says, do not be deceived. He says, evil company corrupts good habits. So don't tell me you want to go into the world as a child of God and save the world, but have the influences upon you. No, no. When we go into the world, we preach the gospel to the world, and then we are not of the world. We understand that. And this is what he addresses here. He says, blessed is that man who do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. In other words, the thinking. And the word therefore in the counsel means advice. And the word for ungodly and wicked means the immoral people. So the first thing that he says, if you want to have a blessed life, if you want to have a happy life, do not take counsel, do not take advice from immoral people. Straightforward. There's nothing to be reasoning about that. I think a 10-year-old child can understand that as well as an adult can understand that. Do not take counsel. Do not take advice from immoral people, from the wicked, from the ungodly. The word ungodly there means is people who do not walk with God. It's people who do not even have God in their mindset. 
You can say they are the agnostics, although I don't believe these agnostics. You can say they are the atheists, although I don't believe there's any atheists on the world. And let me tell you, once an atheist go to hell, they'll quickly know there is a God. And they become the biggest, the biggest preachers of the Word of God. Go and read Luke chapter 16 and you will find that there. So he says, do not take advice from the ungodly or the immoral. And then he says, uh, uh, take that counsel. Then he says, no, stand in the path of the sinners. And it's straightforward here, my friends, that when he talks about that, it deals with our behavior. When you stand, you are starting to form a behavior pattern in your life. If you walk, you can quickly walk away. But if you stand, it takes a little bit more effort for you to put your body in motion again. These are all action words. And then when he says that, he says in the path means the lifestyle. Now he addresses your lifestyle. He addresses your thinking and now your lifestyle. Now he says to you, do not think and take counsel from the immoral. But then he goes one step further now and he says your behavior shouldn't be like the lifestyle of whom? He says of the sinners. But if you look at the Hebrew word there, it means of the criminal. What is a criminal? Is somebody who has been convicted. So do not form your behavior and your lifestyle according to the criminal. Straightforward. And then he says, the last thing, he says, do not sit. And we know sit is a more permanent stance. If you sit there in the seat of the scornful. And, and when he says in the seat there, it means a dwelling place. He says, do not make your dwelling place amongst the scornful. And that means the mockers. The ones who mock. Now I want you to see clearly how this is going through cycles. First of all, we find immoral thinking then flows into becoming a criminal. And then it flows into, once your heart is so hardened, into mocking. Can you see the flow there? And he says, if you want to be a happy person, if you want to be a blessed person, start off with the start. Do not take advice from the immoral, and then do not live that lifestyle of the criminal, and then not become the mockers thereof. I can tell you there is so many examples in society today where dad is in jail, son follows dad into jail, and his son follows dad into the same direction and path. And now he talks to us in the church. He says, we should, not, we should not be like that if we want to have a blessed life. You say, but I don't do that. I'm sitting in church. Look at me today. Whoa. But be careful who you take your advice from. And now he goes on to say, because just the opposite of that is so wonderful, how then do we not take that counsel? We guard our heart and our mind by the following. It is just natural progression. He says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. You see, the word delight there means his pleasure is in the law of the Lord. Uh, do you find pleasure in God's word? Is it wonderful for you to read that? You say, I'm not part of that first group, the immoral, the criminal, and the mockers. But what gives you, listen to me, what gives you pleasure today in life? What is your lifestyle today? Does it show the pleasure of God's word or does it show the pleasures of the world? You see, that's why I said, do not point finger quickly at verse 1. But think carefully because in verse 2 he talks about, the man of God, the one who takes, who wants to live a blessed life, what does he take pleasure in? He takes pleasure in the law of the Lord. You can't sit between them. You're either in one or you're in the other. Are you with me now? So this is the man. He says his delight, his pleasure is in the law of the Lord. The word law there means the teachings of the Lord. And now he goes one step further. He says, he meditates. He meditates. Oh, let me show you how certain Christians do their reading. Oh, they say, man, we need to do this. So let's just get this over and done with, Lord. Let's just, I've got five minutes to do. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus drew, withdrew himself near and went with him. But the eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. Mm, I wonder what that means. 
No, I haven't got time. Let's continue on. And he said to them, what kind of conversion is this? What is he talking about? Let's try another verse. Um, but the chief priest took silver pieces and said, it's not lawful to put them in a treasury. I wonder what that is. No, that's not good. Let's try another one. This is how some people read the word. And there's no meditation about that. It is like water on a hot surface. It just falls and everybody is happy about it, and then it flushes away. No, no. He says we need to meditate and on the Word. What will happen when you meditate on the Word? It will bring you a delight. It will bring you the pleasures out of the Word of God. It will impact your life so that you have a different kind of happiness than the world has got. Meditation means I reflect on it. I think of it. I ponder on it. Let, let me give you one way that I used to do that. I write out verses on a piece of paper and I carry them in my pockets and I might be anywhere, it doesn't matter whether it's in my car or whether it's in the office or I'm just walking in the mall, I pick out that little piece of paper with a verse on that and I read that verse and while I read the verse I talk to the Lord, I speak to Him. You go, oh, that guy's crazy, he's off his head. No, no, no. While I'm walking there, I'm talking to the Lord. I said, Lord, this verse came to me this morning. I wrote it down. I put it to memory. I want to talk to you about it. And every single part of that, I speak to the Lord. That, you know what it brings to me? Pleasure and joy and happiness. Maybe not you, but for me it does. And, and the good thing about it is, once I do that, the Word of God goes in my mind, it goes into my heart, and you hear what I'm saying to you today. One day is one day when I come to an anxious moment, a troublesome moment, a, a really difficult time, and what happens? All of a sudden, a verse jumps into my mind. Where did that come from? Oh, some people will tell you today it is a revelational knowledge that was just zoomed into your ear. No, no, no. I sat there and I meditated on the Word of God. It's in my heart. And now when I'm in that situation, what happens? The Word just jumps out into my mind. And I know one thing for sure. God is alive and He's speaking still through His Word. Although I don't have the Bible in front of me open. Meditate on the Word of God will give you a happy life. You sit there and you say, man, I'm absolutely fantastic, happy with my life now. And I'm telling you, you're a liar. If it's not built on God's word, you are lying, not only to the people around you, but to yourself. But you can't, you see. You can't lie to yourself and you can't lie to God. You have to face the facts. And the Bible says that the truth will set you free. So it's so wonderful when he says this. On the one side he says, blessed is the man who do not sit and stand and walk but then he says but his delight is in the law of the lord and he shall be now listen to this i love this we sang the song this morning he shall be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruits in its season whose leaves shall not wither and whether it does it shall prosper now look at this the tree uh, that draws attention here is where planted by the waters and that draws attention. Because why? First of all, a tree always draws attention. It is a hub of activity. If it's not birds that's sitting in the tree, people run to it for, for protection against nature when it rains or when the sun is beating down. A tree always draws attention. It is so wonderful. But this tree is planted by the waters. Now let me show you another tree. I want you to follow in your Bible with me as we go now to Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah chapter 17. I want you to understand what a blessed life is. And this is what the psalmist writes here. We're going to read from verse 5. Jeremiah 17 verse 5. And look dear friend, I'm not going to hurry this because I'm talking to you about a blessed life. And I pray God... Touch your heart that you walk out of this place understanding exactly what a blessed life is. He says in Jeremiah 17 verse 5, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man. That's a harsh word, isn't it? 
He says, cursed is the man that trusts in the man. Wait a minute. Isn't that what he wrote down here, David, as well? He said, blessed is the man who walks not. You see, David decided to take the negative and he puts it to these action words. But here, when God speaks through the prophet, he says it straightforward. The negative is straightforward. He says, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. Have you noticed that? This tells me if you trust in man, if you take the counsel of the immoral, if you walk in the way of the criminal, what does your heart do? It can either be in one of two camps. It can be with man, and if it's with man, it departs from the Lord. You can either trust man, or you can trust God. Then he continues in verse 6, he says, For he shall be like a shrub in the desert, or a tree. Where? Come on, you read it. In the desert. Have you seen a tree in the desert? Man, I'll tell you what, a tree in the desert looks poor. It looks dead. If there's no water supply for that tree, it is dead. Now he continues, he says, For he shall be like a tree in the desert, and shall not see when good comes. That tree in the desert do not see when good comes but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. There's two kind of trees he's talking about here. One is placed by the water and one is in the wilderness, in the desert. Where are you this morning? Remember when he talks about trees, he talks about you. You are that tree. But it's not only David who says this. Look at verse 7. What does it say? Somebody read it loud. Come on, louder, brother. What's the first word? Say it louder. Come on. Somebody loud. Bless it. There you go. You get the opposites. You get the opposites, Janelle. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful, Philip? You get the opposites. God is so true. He shows us the one which is not good. Then He shows us the one which is good. This is it. He says, blessed is the man who do what? Trust in the Lord. Cursed is the man who trusts in man. Blessed is the man who trusts in God. And whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like what? Like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river. And will not fear. Now listen to this. When I started today, I said happiness is without fear. Happiness is without anxiety. Look in your Bible. It says it there. He says, and will not fear when heat comes, but it is leaf, it will be green, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Isn't it so wonderful? Look, let me explain to you one thing. And I can see people and I can see trees. There's one thing that you can see by a tree standing by the water. It's every single day the same. Every day. You walk by that tree and it's the same. The leaves are green. And now, what is the purpose of a tree? What is the purpose of you and me? We need to bring forth fruit. And whose fruit is that? Is that fruit for us to eat ourselves? No. That fruit is for other people to eat. What are you telling me, brother? They're going to come and eat of me? Of course. This is why He saved you. To be a blessing to others. But some people only want to be a blessing to themselves. No. But this is the amazing thing to me. I look at people. I observe. And you know what it is? When you walk past the street... Who is standing by the river. Every single day he's the same. He's green in season. It's got its fruit. But the tree who's in the wilderness, someday it might rain. Yeah? That's good times. 
When it rains in the desert, in the wilderness, that parched tree will get some water. It goes through the root system and some leaves comes out. And today when you walk past that tree, what do you see? Green leaves. And man, it's so wonderful. You walk up to the tree and you want to hug the tree. Now, I'm not a tree hugger. But you walk up to the tree and it's so wonderful because you can experience the goodness of that tree. And it might have a fruit. But, but if it doesn't rain and you walk past there a week later, what do you get? No leaves. No fruit. But the tree by the water, oh, bless the Lord, hallelujah. When you walk past that tree, the leaves are green, the fruit are there. And then when you go past another week, or maybe two months later, or maybe in the drought, or maybe on a hot day, you walk past that tree, and guess what? The leaves are still green, and the fruit are still there. Let me bring it home. You see, some people, when you see them, man, you don't know how they are tomorrow. Today they come around, they bless my brother, bless my sister. Oh, it's so lovely to see you. But man, if the heat is put on them, tomorrow you don't want to be close to that person. Am I talking to right people here this morning? No, no. I believe that God saved us to be every single day the same blessing to every single person in life. You know what I see when I see Jesus Christ? I see a tree that's planted by the waters. He was every single day the same. Oh, I know people, man. Today they greet you, tomorrow they curse you. Or they don't want to talk to you. Or they don't want to this. No, friends, that's not the blessed life. The blessed life is standing by the water and have that green leaves every single day. Look, we all go through difficult times, do we? But a child of God should react different than the world. The world curses when it's going bad. Not a child of God. Come on. The world gets upset when it's going bad in their lives. But not a child of God. No, no. It's like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. And what is that rivers of water? It is planted in Jesus Christ. He says it right there. He qualifies it for us. He says, Cursed is the man who trusts in man. Oh, there is so much man-trusting going on in the world right now. Even in the church. Even in the church when they bring psychology into the church. In the church when they bring the spirit of the world into the church. And you know what it says? It says that they are cursed. That church will be cursed. Oh, what are you saying? You are cursing churches? No, no, no. I'm just saying what the Word of God says. If you preach a humanistic message from this pulpit, it will be a cursed message. Let it be known. That's, on, that's what the word says it right there. But, but he who is planted in Christ, he says it right there in, in, in Jeremiah. He said, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. But let's continue. Every day the same. Oh, I love those children of God. You know what is so wonderful about those children of God? You can call them any time of day or night and they'll be there for you. You wake them up 2 o'clock in the morning. You ring that phone and it goes... You don't have to hope how they're going to be when they answer the phone. You know how they're going to be. 3 o'clock in the morning. Oh, I wonder why now. It's the fourth time it's ringing now. And you go waking up. Hello? Hey, brother, I need you. What shall we do? Where are you? What can I do? But some people, when it rings, what is it now? Who's this? You've got the wrong number. <laughs> Friends, we are all humans. We all make mistakes. We all get frustrated and all of those things. But the tree that's planted by the water needs to understand the blessed life, the energy source. Listen, the energy source is not just a, a rain cloud that comes past. No, no. It's the stream of running water. It's planted by the, water, by the river. I better hurry on. But I love this psalm so much. It goes on to say, now look, look at this now. Look at this now. I want to show you this word. Maybe you didn't see this when you studied this passage. He says it's planted. It comes from a Hebrew word which is shatol. Shatol. You know what it says? Shatol means that he was transplanted. Praise God. Hallelujah. 
You know what it says to me? It says to me that this guy, this guy you see now, he was planted where? In the wilderness. Man, you were born in the wilderness. Let me tell you that. The Bible says that you were born in sin. There's no good man, not one. They all went aside speaking lies, David says. So everyone who's sitting in this room, everyone in this world was planted in the desert, in the wilderness. And let me tell you, friend, it's a tough place to be. But then one day, praise the Lord, my Savior came. And you know what he did? He saw this little shrub shrub there in the wilderness who was struggling through life man he's so struggling to make it in life he's so struggling to make a happy life and you know what he says he says look at that poor thing there i'm gonna give him my goodness do you know that god is good for us do you know that god is so good he's good his forbearance his long suffering he looked at that little shrub there and he says look let me go like a gardener and take him out of the wilderness and transplant him by the river. That is what someone talks about here. He says, listen, do not be like the man who, who walks and who stands and to sit in those people. No, no, that's the wilderness. I'm going to take you out of that with your roots. I'm going to take you over to the river and I plant you in the river. And now we will see. Now, dear friends, the Bible says we need to carry the fruit of repentance. You show me a child of God and I want to look for the fruit. And it's not talking about sour grapes fruits. <laughs> That's a different message. It's not talking about lemons. <laughs> no, although lemons is good for you. <laughs> Thank you, my sister, for the lemons. I drink them every morning. Praise the Lord. Lemons is good for you in winter. How wonderful is it to understand now in Psalm 1. He says, if you want to have a blessed life, let the Savior of Saviors, the King of Kings, take you out of the wilderness and plant you by the water. Hallelujah, friend. That's where you will find a blessed life. By the waters. And then we need to produce fruit. He says the ungodly are not so. Why they're in the wilderness. This is what Jeremiah told us there. Why they are cursed because they still trust on man. He says they are not so, but they are like chaff, which is wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. You see, they will not stand. It is amazing when you look at the word stand there. You see, stand is a behavior pattern forming. You remember when we talked about when he says, do not stand in the path of the sinners. Man, you want to stand in the right group of people at the day of judgment. But these people will not stand in that judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of righteous. He says, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So, let us delight ourselves in the word this morning. And just in Psalm 19, give me a few minutes to give you a little bit of delight. It says in Psalm 19, if you flick open there, it says, now the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament show His handiwork. How wonderful is that? Have you seen it this morning? No, I think by then you were still asleep. <laughs> it's wonderful we see the clouds and the beautiful sky up there. But have you sat up by night or woke up early in the morning before the sun came out and walk out and look up into this gaze into the handiworks of God? It's so wonderful, friends. Let's meditate on this. Let's do this for a while now. It talks about the glory of God. You see that? Psalm 8 verse 1 says, You have set your glory above the heavens. You know what is so wonderful, friends? If you now, who's planted by the streams of water, who wants to live this blessed life, walk out, and you look up there, you can see the handy work of God. It tells me that God is personally, personally, had His hand here on the earth, creating everything. It's His handiwork. There's one better blessing than that. If you look around this room, and you see every person sitting here, you see the handiwork of God. That'll make you think twice before you look at people in a different way, wouldn't it? Everybody who's here was made. My brother, you said it this morning, didn't you? You said that God came down and he, he got his hands dirty, but although we know that God don't have hands like us, but it is a, it's a metaphor, it's talking about what we can understand. He got it dirty and he made out of this clay Adam. It's his handiwork. 
Paul says it. He says, we are His workmanship. He works on us. And and the glory of God, he says, is now wonderfully shown in the firmament. He doesn't talk about nature. He doesn't talk about trees here now. He talks about the firmament that goes beyond. It's it's wonderful when Richard and Veda came back from uh, Hawaii. He was telling me, he says, Dad, there's this telescope. They went onto this high volcano and at 10,000 feet. That's right, 10,000 feet telescope. Or was it higher? 10,000 feet. You go up there and there's a telescope. He said, Dad, if you look through the telescope, you can see Uranus and the circles around it. How wonderful is that? You know what, what he saw with his very own eyes was the handiwork of God. Can you imagine, just hearing what he told me, what him and Veda saw, I could understand that there is a God bigger than us who put everything together. It says right there, the heavens declare that glory of God in the heavens. And you know, it's His personal touch with you and me. Now it goes on, and look at this, I love it. He says, day unto day utter speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. The line has gone out through all the earth, and the words to the end of the world, in them He has set a tabernacle for the sun. Friends, you are now listening to the most beautiful poetry in the world. This is poetry. Man, this needs to pleasure you. Do do you see that he gives to day and to night personalities here? He gives them personalities. He he says they, they at a speech. Night at a speech. And they reveal knowledge. It's only a personality who can do that. He gives to this day that we're seeing now. Do you know that this day is talking to you as we are rushing through it with your own little things? God is speaking to us in this day. There's a revelation going on. And nighttime, he says, it gives knowledge. Yeah, I wonder, this is so beautiful to me. And now he says, he says right there, he says, and, and there is no speech nor language where it's not heard. Think about this. He doesn't use geography to show us where the Word of God is going or where God is going. He uses languages. That touches every single place on planet Earth. How wonderful is that? And this is not even 2000 in the 20th century or 21st century. We, we think we are the most clever people in the world. Go back. Here is the psalmist writing and he says, their voice is not heard so it covers the whole earth. And then he says, a line is drawn out through all the earth and the words to the end of the world. And now he says, there's a tent made. There's a tent made for the sun where the sun dwells in. Have you thought of it in that way? You see, people read Psalm 19 and oh, they must declare the glory of the Lord, but it's much more. You need to meditate it and you know what's going to happen? He is going to delight you. Man, I pray that the Word of God delights you this morning. You walk out of this place and you go, wow, man, that was so good. The Word of God is so good. He sets up a tabernacle and now he gives personality to the sun. And uh, just before you go there, I'm not a sun worshiper. Don't go there. This is what it is. But he says, listen to this, the sun follows the instruction of a creator. Wow. That big, big little ball there in the earth, which we stand up and we can't look at it because it's too bright. That thing which NASA wants to send a probe now into land on the sun. That big thing which can with the heat flare can kill everybody on this earth. Like that. He's working on the instruction of the creator of the universe. Listen to this. The very same one who created you. I'm speechless, Andre. How good is that God? He sets it for him a tent. I, I remember when I was at school one day and um, I've heard this legend of the Busmans. Who knows the Busmans? It's a tribe in Africa who lives in, in the Kalahari Desert. It's small people and when they talk, they talk funny. And 
They make a language out of that. And it's so wonderful because this reaches them. This is their story. Listen to this. When they take their children and put them to bed at night, and they lie in the Kalahari and they look up into the sky, what do they see? Stars. And the little children ask them, what is that? What is that? And you know what they say? They say the sun goes, and it's still there, but then the God of heavens takes, you know what they used to do in those days? They took skin off the animals as clothing and to build their houses. And then they used to take the sinew and they used to make holes and, and stitch them together. And every place there's a stitch, there's a little hole. And if you take a light and you lie under that, that stitching of everything, you can see through the holes the light. They say the God of this whole universe the sun is still there, but they take one of those blankets and they throw it over the world so that his children can sleep. And what you see in there is all the stitches, how it's been put together. Now we laugh at it, but you know what, friends? It says there that it goes out through all the earth and no speech, nor language, even in funny language people. They know that night and day is declaring the glory. There's a speech, there's a knowledge. How wonderful is it that then one day a missionary comes into that Bushman tribe and sits down and hear this legend, hear this word about the God of heavens, and he can say, I want to tell you today about that God. His name is Jesus. How wonderful is it then for them to make that connection. And you know what? That little Bushman tribe who was in the wilderness is now transplanted to next to the river. It happened to you. It happened to me. It will happen to them. Are you delighted in his word this morning? Friends, this blessed me during the week when I read this psalm. I was sitting again there. I was flying back from, from Brisbane again up there about the clouds reading this psalm. And he blessed me. And now he goes on to say, he says the tabernacle. But listen to this now. He says verse 5, which is like, now he's talking about the sun, gives him a personality, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Its rising is from the end of the heaven and its circuit to the end, the other end. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. The sun is now, is now given a personality is living in his tent and then it says it comes like a bridegroom out of his tent it is so interesting these days when we have a wedding isn't it who's the most important day person on that day the bride isn't it <laughs> the bridegroom comes to the front and he waits for the bride we should change it a bit shouldn't we <laughs> no no we should have the bride standing at the front and waiting for the bridegroom there she's standing with all of everybody and everybody's waiting for the bridegroom to come. <laughs> now it's so wonderful, it's beautiful. But here we have the sun coming out like a bridegroom. Can you imagine the excitement of a bridegroom on his wedding day? This is what the psalmist is trying to tell us. Who's married here? Well, we know who's married. Have you, do you remember the day when you, when you stood there, although it's in our time now, and the bride came, the excitement within that. This is how the sun is portrayed for us, friend. It comes out with that excitement. And then he says, it rejoices like a strong man. A strong man to do what? Just to run its race. By the instruction of the creator of this universe. It's too big and too much for us to comprehend. That that big son up there is by the instruction of God and it blesses my soul this morning to read about that. It is in a set course, it says. But now, you see the Psalm 19, there's three things happening here. It tells us two ways God is talking or expressing himself and then it talks about a reaction. Secondly, let me... Hurry on to this. He says in verse 7, The law of the Lord is perfect, 
Converting the soul, the testimony of the Lord is sure. Making wise the simple, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous for all together. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much silver, fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and honeycomb. Moreover by them the servant is warned and is keeping them by a great reward. You know what blesses me out of this? We've just experienced the greatness of God and He, he talks about the day and, and the night and the sun and now He comes down to what I love absolutely in my life, the Word of God. He talks about what you have in your hands, the revelation of God in book form, in word form. He says it right there, He says the law. You see there's six names for the law of the Lord. And let me just show you this. Have you noticed... When you meditated on this, have you noticed the change here? When he talks about the first ones, he says the glory of God is in the firmament, is shown in his handiwork. The Hebrew word for God there is El. El. Not Elohim like in Genesis. It's El. You see, anybody today can use that word for their gods. The Muslims can. The Muslims can. They can say it's El. They won't use Elohim because they don't believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but they use El. El just means it's a mighty God. And when you talk to them, they say it's the only true God is Allah, which is a lie, it's not true, and we do not worship Allah. That's a different message. But he uses El there. But now, when he talks about the Word of God, he uses the word Lord, which is the word Yahweh, or Jehovah. Yahweh. Oh, this is fantastic, friend. Why? For what reason? Brother, you said it this morning. He came and He lived amongst us. The Son came and lived. This is also a title for the Lord. When you go back into Genesis, you read when it says the Lord God. It talks about His title, His deity. And now He says the law, which means the teachings of Him. And He gives it six names there. I wonder if you've noticed. He says the law of the Lord, the testimony, the statutes, the commandments, the fear. Interesting, isn't it? That He uses the name, the fear of the Lord, as a title for the Bible, the Word of God. We all know He talks about the Word. And then he says the statues or the judgments. And have you noticed there's seven characteristics about this word? It says, first of all, it's perfect, which means it's without spot. The word of God is perfect, friends. I've been studying this now for many years. There are such a big attack on the word of God to say that it contradicts itself, but it's a lie. It is perfect, friends. It's just, it's sure, which means it's firm. It's right, which means it's a straight line. It says it's pure, which means it's clear, clean, true, and it is righteous. But here is the thing that really got me when I studied and meditated on that. There is seven things that the Word of God do for us. Seven things. It amazes me that people reject the Word. First of all, it restores the soul. It restores the soul, friends. You know what it means? It means that it makes you to turn back from where you go. That means it refreshes you. I, I recount many a times that people came to us and they want to have counsel and we sit down and they explain to me the situation they're in. And you know what happens? There's a scripture verse that jumps into my mind. And I say, look, I'm feeling sorry for you but I can't help you. But there is just this one verse. Let me just read it for you. And I read that verse for them. And you know so many times, so many times, after I read that passage, they go into the handbags and they start fridgling around their handbags. And I go, what's going on now? And they're looking for a pen and a piece of paper. And they ask me, where did you read that from? You see the Word of God refreshes the soul. That's what it does. You have your doses of reading the Word and meditating on it. Every day in your soul will be refreshed. No wonder then. No wonder that a child of God is like a tree planted by the water and is every day the same. Every day. Not only that, it makes one wise. Yes? It makes you wise. Listen, look, they've asked those men. You remember in Acts chapter 4 verse 13 
when Peter and John, they were preaching there and these men grabbed them there. And, and this is what they say. They perceived that they were uneducated and untrained. Uneducated and untrained. What did they say then? Come on. They said after that, but they had been with Jesus. With Jesus. Today we are with Jesus. He's here. Amen. He's in His Word. He's in our hearts. He's with us. His testimony is with us. And people can look at you and say, Oh, she's untrained. She's uneducated. But if you'd been with Jesus, praise the Lord, you are wise. It's not going to build your IQ, though. <laughs> it's not going to get your IQ up. No, no, no. That's not what it is. No, it, keep, it makes you wise, the Word of God. It's rejoicing the heart. How wonderful is that? It rejoices the heart. You remember in Luke, those two men who was walking on the road of Emmaus? You remember when they were walking, they said, how is it then when He spoke, Jesus spoke, we had this warmth in our heart, this good feeling in our heart. Friend, is that still how you feel when you hear the Word of God preached and when you read it? And then you know at the end of that chapter, at the end of the book of Luke, it says that they went away rejoicing and worshipping God. The Word of God is doing that to you. Not only that, it enlightened the eyes. It enlightened the eyes. You say, what does that mean? It means that it makes your eyes clearer. What? No way. How can that happen? Man, I'm telling you, you can look in somebody's eyes physically and you can see whether their eyes are clearer or not. Or you can see whether they had a late night. <laughs> I'm not pointing at you, brother. You say, where is that in the Bible? Let, let me show you. Just, just let me show you. Bear with me a little bit longer. Go to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel, okay? Now we find in 1 Samuel chapter 14, you remember when Saul went out and they fought and he, he, Saul said to his people, he said, nobody shall eat anything. This is an oath that we make to God. We will fast. We will fast and, and we will go into battle. How dumb is that? Come on, let's be honest. When you put somebody into a war to fight somebody else, what do you need? You need strength in your body. And what gives strength to your body? Food. It's clear as that. But here Saul comes, he says, no, 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 we're going to fast and then we're going to go into battle. It doesn't work that way. But now I want you to see 1 Samuel chapter 14. Um, verse 27. But Jonathan, this is his son, had not heard his father's charge the people with the oath. He didn't hear that. Therefore he stretched out his end of his rod that was in his hand and dipped it in a honeycomb. You see that? He dipped it into the honeycomb and put his hand to his mouth and his countenance was what? Brightened. The word there for countenance is his eyes. His eyes were brightened. Oh, but he couldn't have done that. He went against his father now. See what happens. Verse 28. Then one of the people said, Your father strictly charged the people with an oath saying, Cursed is the man who eats food this day. And the people were what? Faint. They were faint. Their eyes were dull. That's what that passage means. But Jonathan says in verse 29, he says, My father has troubled the land. Look now, how my countenance. And when he talks, that the word there is his eyes. He says, Look now how my eyes has brightened, because I tasted a little bit of this honey. This honey, friend, the word of God is like the honey and the honeycomb, isn't it? Honey, the word of God refreshes the soul. This is what it is. This is the things it does. It enlightens the eyes. It endures forever. And in verse 11, let, let's look at that. In verse 11, he says, Moreover, by them your servant is warned and keeping then there is a great reward. But look, if you have meditated, you would have seen that we've missed verse 10. Verse 10, you see that? This is a whole conversation going on, and there's the last two things that it's benefit. And then he says in verse 10, More to be desired are they than gold, yea, much more sweeter than honey and honeycomb. What is he saying? Gold and honey. You see, these are the two the two attacks on the church and on the child of God today, gold is a sign of materialism. Materialism. And what is honey a sign of? 
Honey is a sign of pleasure. Those are the two things that people are hunt for. Materialism and pleasure. Now what he is saying here, he says much more than you are searching your materialism and your pleasure. Is this to be desired? What? The word of God. The word of God. Than that, it, it, it's not only gold, it is fine gold. It's not 24 karat gold or 16 karat plated gold. This is fine gold. And then honey from the honeycomb. Have you ever had honey from the honeycomb? I've had. We've in Stolfontein where we live, just our neighbors at the back, they had in, in their heart, at, uh, on the roof of the garage, they had four honey boxes, they had beehives. And his dad made it from, you know, he worked on the mine, but it's his hobby, he did that. There were always bees around the place, but they never stung us, they just stayed in there. But he, he too used to go in there and take the honeycomb out, and then he, he used to put him in a thing which they turn around, and he, he gets all the honey out fresh. But one day when I was there, his dad was there, and we were all on the roof of this garage, and he had the honeycomb there. And he said, there's this wax on it. And then he scrapes off the wax and there's that honey. And I'll tell you what, I've tasted it. It is, I can't explain it to you. He says it, listen, the nicest pleasure that you can think of in your life. And I'm not going to ask you to name them. <laughs> the nicest pleasure you can think of, this is better. The nicest gold or material thing that you are chasing after, this is better. But you see, you need to be planted by the water. Now let's finish off this morning. Is the word of God delighting you this morning? The last thing is your response. Verse 12, he says, Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from my secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and I shall be innocent in a great transgression. How, how wonderful is it that the word of God shows us this thing. There's three things there. He talks about errors. He says, I will, who can understand his errors? Who can? You know, Paul says the things I, I want to do, I don't do them. And the things I don't want to do, I do. Who can understand them? He talks about moral mistakes there or moral sins. That's moral sins. Who can understand that? And then the second one is secret. He says the secret faults. This is the unknown things you are doing wrong. Did you know that there's a sin of omission? The things that you need to do, you don't do them. It's a sin. You don't know you do them. And then he talks about presumptuous sins. What are those? Those are the planned ones. Those are the ones that you know you are doing wrong. But you are going to still continue doing them. He says, who can understand this? The only one who can keep you away from that is the Word of God. And then he finishes it with this, a beautiful verse. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Look, I can spend another 10 or 15 or 20 minutes and explain that verse to you. I'm going to leave it over to you to go and meditate on that. I think we've heard, I can't say enough of the word because it can never, but I think I've said enough today. Are you delighted in his word today? There's so much we've given today, but I want you to walk out of this place this morning and think about this. Meditate on this word during this week. Say, Lord, what passages there needs to apply to me? How can I be like that, Lord? Father, I want to be every day the same, the same blessing to people out there. I don't want to be today like the clouds and tomorrow like thunder and the day after sunshine. We all love sunshine, don't we? But friends, clouds do come and thunder do come. It is how you react to that that matters. It's how you react to that. You know, I just leave you with this. People ask me sometimes, you know, you seem to be happy. This is at work. You seem to be happy every time. And I say, look, I make a choice how I react to things. You see, there is an action that comes and some people react straight away. Action, reaction. But I say to them, in between those two, I have put down two lines and I've written down in the middle my choice. 
so that when an action comes, it hits the wall. Before the reaction goes out, I want to make my choice how I am going to react. Okay? It's not easy. We all fail. Paul says, oh wretched man that I am. I'm not standing perfect before you. You see some people come out and, and they don't like the weather. They wake up and they go, oh, weather. Oh. And it follows them the whole day. There's no fruit on the tree. But I say, look, when I wake up and the weather is not good, now it hits the wall. I'm going to go. I am going to rejoice in the Lord always. And you know what happens? My reaction is different. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Thank you, Lord, that we can delight ourselves in your word and in you, Lord. How wonderful it is, Lord, that the creator of this universe, the one who made everything, came and he dwelt upon this earth. More than that, came and lived in our hearts. How big is God? How big and vast is vast domain? yet small enough to dwell in our hearts. Father, I pray over this word this morning and I pray for every heart and every ear who listen to this. I pray, Lord, that you bless during this week these people, Lord. Father, and for those who meditate on your word, Lord, let them delight in it. Let it be like a tree planted by the water. Thank you this morning that you, Lord, are in the transplanting business and you are transplanting people in parts, places, wilderness into the streams of life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.